Good morning, church. His presence is here. His mercy is available. Can we approach the throne of grace and surrender? He's worthy of every hallelujah. Let's reunite and worship to you, Father. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. Hey, yeah. I raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. Yes, that's the power. Praise church. I raise a hallelujah. My weapon is a melody. Surrender. I raise a hallelujah. As heaven comes fight for me. Yes, I'm gonna see.
He's a wonder-working God.
because he's always faithful and his promises are true. We celebrate that in your house, Lord. Father, we thank you that you are faithful. But God, let us not forget that your mercy and your grace is available to us now. And we know that good things are to come. We trust that you're faithful, but let us not forget that you are in the midst here and now. So if you walked in today, church, with any baggage, with any burden, anxiety, any doubt, would you lay that down at his feet right now? Because he's available. Yes, here's your heart, and that's carried a burden for too long on my own. I wasn't created to bear it alone. Thank you, God. I hear your invitation to let it all go. And I see it now. I'm laying it down. And I know that I need you. I run to the Father. I fall into grace. I'm done with the hiding. No reason to wait. My heart needs a surgeon. My soul needs a friend. So I'll run
before you humbly and broken and we confess that we need you would you do as it says in the book of Psalms where it says restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit Father would you let it be enough that you went to the cross for my sins would you let it be enough that you poured out your love on your sons and daughters would you let it be enough would I let it be in there? God, we thank you that you are faithful. We thank you that you are merciful. And Father, where our flesh may be weak, where our flesh may fail, your spirit is strong. And our portion is in you forever, God. But all things else seem so insignificant. So your merciful grace and redeeming love which changes us from the inside out. And we'll make it our promise to you to worship you for the end of our days of who you are. Well, we praise you in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, church. His grace is available. It's real. It is life-changing. Would you open your heart to it? Welcome to church today. We're family here. Would you turn to those around you and make them feel welcome as family in the house of the Lord this morning? Open the boxes for the first time is just, it's incredible. We are so excited. Many of the children receive the shoe boxes for the first time in their life. We pray that these boxes will be used to bring a lot of happiness and joy, but more importantly, the gospel to each heart, all these little children around the world. No greater need and no greater time than right now for us to go out and serve boldly. This is what these shoe boxes are all about, to go out and to bring a hope of Jesus Christ around the world. I'm just so amazed at what God does each and every year. This is an opportunity to impact the lives of millions of children, just like you've seen. But we need more boxes for next year. Every box is an opportunity for us to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So thank you, and God bless each and every one.
Well, good morning, MRCC. Um, that video is such a great uh, picture of what of Operation Christmas Child uh, organization is about. And as a church, uh, we want to invite you to be a part of it. Uh, we have a number of boxes out there if you saw them this morning. Uh, grab one, grab two, grab ten however many you want, um, take them home, fill them up, uh, bring them back between November 7th and 14th. Uh, it's, you know, it seems early, but of course it takes time, right, for them to ship them out to all over the world. So um, that's the time frame that they need them back in order to get them out before Christmas time. So um, it's kind of funny because we start talking about Christmas in August around here, uh, planning stuff. So I know that it's like, you're not supposed to talk about Christmas before Thanksgiving, right? And we haven't even reached the end of October yet, but I will tell you, I sent an email out this week with all the Christmas program music, so you start listening to it now, you bless my heart. So um, anyway, I, I do want to encourage you, though, to be a part of that, buy some fun stuff to send to other uh, countries around the world, and we do that from here. We just collect them, we send them to the, there's like collection groups where we take them, and then the boxes go, so all you have to do is take them to the store and fill them up. And uh, with the things, they, they have some a list of things for you to follow. But a couple other things that are going on around here. Uh, this Tuesday is the uh, MOPS uh, sponsors a trunk or treat, but it really is for the whole community. Um, so if you have a preschooler, bring them. Uh, if you have a homeschooler, bring them. It's totally fine. But if you have a trunk, bring it and fill it with all sorts of candy because we definitely feel like this year there's going to be a few more kids with all the homeschools. So uh, the more trunks we have, the better. Uh, decorate them out. Make it fun for the kids. It's just really fun. So we want to invite you, if you have the time to come, Tuesday, it's just from 11 to 1, super quick time frame. Um, bring your trunk, bring your kids. Uh, just be kind of a fun opportunity in that way. Um, and then we have a worship night coming up. Uh, mark your calendars for it. It's November 5th. Uh, it's just a great opportunity for us to come together and worship at an extended time of worship. So um, if you have that, it's a Friday night, uh, just a great opportunity to come and worship Jesus together uh, for an extended time on that day. So mark your calendar for that. And I am only here to keep encouraging us to be a part of a team at MRCC. If you've been here the last three weeks, you're like tired of my face, but that's okay. I'm still here. Um, if you don't know who I am, I am our kids pastor down the hallway. And um, I can tell you what a joy it is to serve with the people that serve with us in kids ministries. And I pray and hope that they feel just as much joy. I know they do um, serving in kids ministries alongside of us because we need people in that in that place. But um, even more than that, there's so much joy in the relationship that happens there. So if you feel like you aren't really connected to your church, I would encourage you to get connected with a team. Yes, get connected in a small group. There's lots of ways to get connected, um, but it doesn't have to be kids' ministries, even though that's where my heart is. Uh, there's tons of ways to be involved, whether it's on a hospitality team uh, that's greeting people on Sunday morning, uh, whether you're here during the week help, uh, helping cook meals even uh, for families around uh, our community. There's just so many different ways. As a matter of fact, um, pretty soon we're going to be putting up Christmas lights outside, so we'll need a team of people to come and help do that. Um, just so many ways. So the best thing I can tell you to do is uh, look on that card that's in the seat back in front of you or scan that code that's on that on the back of your seat um, because it shows you all the ways that you could get connected. And if you click on that, I promise we won't make you get connected yet. We'll just give you more information about it and then you can uh, learn or, or about a different ministry. So if you just want to know more about it, click on it, let us know because it will send me an email or someone on our staff an email and we will follow up with you right away. And I would say this, 
If we don't follow up with you within a, a couple of days, there's a chance that something got missed, either a number wasn't typed or uh, we couldn't read a handwriting or something like that. Uh, feel free to call us. We, we always prefer to be able to co contact you, but um, give us a call if we haven't called you back because we really don't want to miss you. Uh, being a part of your church family is a really big deal. So uh, find a way to get connected in that way. If you're new with us, though, we won't pressure you into getting connected yet. Um, but you can still use that same card and let us know that you're new here. Uh, just let us know that you've been here. We just want to welcome you and say hi. Uh, we just hope you feel welcome to be here uh, in God's house with us together today. Um, but with that, I'm going to introduce uh, my friend, um, Pastor. I, I don't know if you've met him. Pastor Zach <clears throat> used to work here. <laughs> I, I'm glad that you're... <laughs> we didn't fire him, actually. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Uh, I, I, I kind of laugh. He actually went and he works for the network, our ministry network, which is huge. It's a big deal. And so we still get to partner and ministry with him in a different way. But I get a little sad sometimes and I get a little spicy about it because he actually used to be the kids and youth pastor here before I came on. And for like two years, I kept saying, when are you going to hire me? When you need me to work here at this church, when are you going to hire me? And then finally the day came and he's like, guess what? Um, do you want a job here? <laughs> I was like, I've been asking forever. So so um, uh, first service, he said I was his much older sister. Don't believe him. He lies. But outside of that, he teaches God's word really well, and uh, he's going to bring God's word for us today. So would you open your Bibles with him today? Well, good morning. <laughs> Allison, when's your birthday? Six months ago. Okay, so six months ago, you turned the same age I'll turn this week. So she is six months older, which, you know, like if you were like three, that's a sixth of your life, and so uh, I do say that's a lot of a lot of time. But good morning, um, man. It's just it's so great on a windy day. You got blown in here, right? That's why like, there's probably more hats being worn than than unusual because uh, of of the the wind and gusts. And man, days like today, like I love them. I just be honest, like like these are fall days in Washington. Like you kind of live for these things. Like as long as your power doesn't go out, so it robs you of football. And that afternoon nap, come on, somebody. And it is, uh, it is great. Uh, always an opportunity to share uh, God's word with you. Um, when Pastor reached out and asked if I'd be available, I absolutely, um, you know, I just, it's an honor uh, to be able to, to be back in our church home. Uh, like Allison said, I serve as the network youth director. Um, our fellowship, uh, you know, the Assemblies of God has broke up in different geographical areas, right? Northwest is Washington, North Idaho. There's about 360 churches in that um, and can I tell you, that as I get to travel across to our network, just this little slice of the country, uh, there's almost 13,000 churches, you know, nationwide, but, but, uh, but as I get to travel over just this little piece, can I just tell you that, that I'm encouraged with the church for tomorrow, because the church today is pretty amazing. See, I believe that our young people are the church today, and we had over 1,800 students come to summer camp this last summer. And in it, like the one statistic that I always like love to throw out there just because of the current climate is we had nine COVID cases come out of summer camp, like 1,800 kids, nine, like that's a miracle, right? And, um, but the reason I'm super encouraged is because in those moments, there's this authentic move of God that's happening in the next generation that is just blowing through the church today. 
And so I just want to encourage you as you hear about joining a team and jumping in there, whatever it is in your mind that you think being a youth leader, a children's leader, a greeter is, uh, uh, throw it out the window and just be willing to have a conversation with, with somebody say, hey, what does it look like? Because there's no cookie cutter youth leader or children's worker. There's people that work behind the scenes. Like you don't have to sign up to eat gross things and get slimed unless that's your thing. Then there's always room for you. But maybe it's behind the scenes. Maybe, maybe it is just signing welcome cards and saying, we're glad that you're here. Uh, whatever that is, uh, I just want to encourage you. It's a great way uh, to become part of your local church family and, and to build relationships in it. But this morning, we are going to be finishing our series in Colossians. And so I want to make sure that I put a little asterisk, a little star by this message. Because when Pastor did reach out, he said, hey, by the way, I've already got the message done. Can I send it to you and have you look it over? Tell me how, you know, if you think you can be comfortable with it. Uh, and so we sent it over, and I said, absolutely. Um, you know, one of the joys of being on staff here is, was being trained by someone who believes that God's word is what it is. It's God's word to us. And so as I looked it over, I was certainly comfortable with the, the theology and the scriptures. Uh, be honest, again, here's the start. Like, I changed all the illustrations, um, mostly because I've never been married to Rhonda, Right, I've never, I, I've, I've never been in the military. I've never served in an emergency room. I don't geek out over World War II. And I'm not into sci-fi. Right, so that just eliminated everything that, uh, that he had had for illustrations. And so I had to kind of come up with some new stuff and that. But, but the, the way I'll say it is this, is, is that he loaded a really good bullet. And, uh, and, and I'm going to shoot it in the gun. Because uh, the text and the way, what God's heart is, uh, that's communicated through the Apostle Paul to the church in Colossians and is, is literally the heart uh, of pastor for you and I. That as followers of Jesus, this whole series, like I love the practicality of Colossians, right? Colossians doesn't leave anything. It literally just places guardrails. It says, listen, in, in this faith thing, in this, in this journey of following Jesus, there's two these two extremes that we need to guard against. We need to guard against it slipping into some sort of philosophical, ideological thing that you just talk about and doesn't impact your life. And we also need to guard it against becoming this rigid, rule-based religion that is, that is so f- tight and forced. So, so in the middle, and in the middle is this person, Jesus. And this is who we're following. And this, this message and, and the way that the Apostle Paul concludes this, this letter to this church is no exception. And really it's the heart of this, this Apostle Paul who had never met this church. Right? It was certainly people from, Colossians had, had ventured into uh, Ephesus, when the Apostle Paul was working there, they got saved, and they did what happens when the gospel transformed lives. It spreads because the peop- you just can't help talking about it and reaching people and telling people what you've experienced when you discover Jesus. And so this church was birthed, and so he writes this letter to encourage. He writes it with all these practical things in mind, and he says, I'm gonna end, as he ends this letter, he says, I'm going to give you something that is going to determine so much of your life. It's going to dictate so much of the experience that you have as a follower of Christ. And it's no exaggeration to say in this room, there is unlimited perspectives. Like even if you just take TV, for example, in this room, there are people that remember when TV was black and white. And in this room, there are people that only have known TV as a touchscreen. Right? you want to talk about a diversity of perspectives when it comes to TV. As I grew up, one of the areas that I was, had a distinct role in my home was I was the personal remote control and the personal 
tuner because we didn't we lived out in the country that cable had not got out there and so you had to adjust these little things we called rabbit ears uh, to get the signal so that you could watch tv and in it the experience that the family would have sit, gathered around the tv watching the disney movie on sunday night because uh, young people um it used to be that you could only watch a show when it was on okay like like if you missed like there's no vcr there's no dvr there's no Netflix. I mean, I know now that if you want to watch a, 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 at 2 in the morning a documentary on the migration pattern of the Norwegian cliff chicken, you can. Right? I don't even know if that's a real animal. But, but I'm sure it's there. It's the, it's the internet. So it's there. And if you want to do that, you can. But, but this is a time when you could only watch what was on TV. Like, like literally, there was this dial on your TV. There was a limited, a finite number of channels that you got to choose from. I know the horror. And in it, your experience would be gathered, you know, how many lines would go through the screen or, or the fuzz that would be there. And you try to get it just right. And sometimes like you didn't have to stand there and hold it while everybody else was watching a clear screen. I don't know. There's something like some radiation or something. Maybe it explains so much, babe. Sorry. But my perspective forever changed when I invited a friend over that had cable, lived in town and had cable. And we were up one morning, he'd stayed the night, we were watching cartoons in the morning, and I had adjusted the screen. And can I tell you, I was proud of the picture that I was able to get. Like, I had adjusted it perfect. And then he says these words that I'll never, he's like, he goes, what's up with the fuzz on the screen? I'm like, what are you talking about? This is good stuff. He goes, that's horrible. Isn't it amazing how two different people's experiences looking at the same thing can have a different outcome on the way they see it. You know, we don't have to, think too much on that one when you think about going to a high school sporting event and, and the referee blows the whistle, right? The referee blows the whistle and half the people in the, in the stands think it's the best call ever. That's great. That's a good call. And the other half of the people's waving their glasses at him like, you can't see anything. You're blind. The perspective based on the way that you see it. And what we're going to look at today is the Apostle Paul is, is look, writing this letter to the church and, and what God is inviting you and I is to allow us to learn to see from a kingdom perspective and not a limited perspective. Because what the Apostle Paul knows is that we can become blind to what's in front of us. You know, in the, in the perspective of our, in our experience when we see something, and as much as it's transformed or changed by, by considering somebody else's viewpoint, we begin to see a bigger picture but God doesn't want us to see a bigger picture. He wants us to see a kingdom picture. See, God's inviting us to see as he does. It's timely in a culture that thrives on a binary thinking and shouts loudly their perspectives. And when they shout that perspective, they say, see only this. If you see anything else, you're not seeing correctly. And God's saying, no. He goes, I desire you to see, to see nothing from a worldly perspective, but rather a kingdom perspective. See, God knows that the condition of our spirit can make us blind or it can make us able to see. And it's in prayer that we begin to be able to see and have a kingdom perspective. The Bible says we're in Colossians chapter 4 today, finishing this, this series, starting in verse 2. This is what he says. He says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. 
Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we pray that as we uh, jump into your word, as we allow you to speak, God, that we pray that, that we would experience all that you have for us. God, that we would allow prayer to be the thing that allows us to see. That we would not be content to see just from a worldly perspective, that we would understand how much more we have when we pray. We pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. See, we know that seeing is more than just an optic nerve transforming information in our brain to something that we can identify it with. We know that seeing is far more than that. And it's so often dictated what we see is dictated by how we see it. Right, our own attitudes and approaches to it. And there's kind of a play on words here in verse 2 that's easy to miss in the English because it says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And see, we can think that being watchful and thankful is the way that we're supposed to approach prayer by reading this text. That, that, that's the way that we set out to pray, being watchful and thankful. But really what the Apostle Paul wants us to understand here in this, is, and there's a big difference here, is that when we pray, we become watchful and thankful. See, the Greek word there for watchful describes a sentry on a wall. You know, you see the soldier guarding the wall. Of course, this would have been, you know, first century language that would have been very familiar to them. It's not as familiar to us today. But the, the, the sentry doesn't see just because they're standing there. They see because they're at guard and they're paying full attention. And that's the same thing that prayer does. Prayer allows us to see. Prayer causes us to become watchful and thankful. When I pray, I see. When I pray, I see things that I didn't see before. And that's the power of prayer that the Bible is describing here in verse 2. It in prayer enables you and me to see in the spirit. It enables us to see things that are unseen, the things of the mind and the things of the heart. And this isn't like science fiction or some sort of technological ability. You know, with this role, I travel quite a bit and I fly quite a bit. And, you know, I get quite off, you know, often, you know, stand in that TSA scanner machine, you know. And I've often wondered, like, if I wrote something, like, on my chest, like, would they be able to read it? It's just random thoughts. That could be kind of fun, wouldn't it? Just like, wow, your job must be lame. <laughs> it's like, sorry. How about this? Sorry. <laughs> You know, but we're not talking about a technological ability to see. We're talking about things that are real, things of the heart, things of the spirit, things of the mind. See, if we want to see deeply into the, as parents into the lives of our children, we need to pray. If we want relationships in our life to be, to be full and meaningful, we need to pray so that we're not just assigning motive right out the gate and we're not making decisions ahead of time. We need to have an eternal perspective. See, friends, God doesn't call us to pray for his sake. A lack of prayer isn't something that God gets mad at because we aren't being religious enough or we're not doing enough or, or, or you know, we make him look better if we decide to pray more. See, what God knows is that prayerlessness is self-inflicted blindness. And God desires for you and me to see. He wants us to see the kingdom and reality and perspective that he has. See, we can't see clearly without prayer. So God calls us to pray so that we can be watchful. See, we would want everything that God desires for us. And, 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 I, and I love this in, the, in, the, in this idea 
that we become watchful and thankful because really what God is saying is I want you to see all that I have for you. I don't want you to miss a reality because you're blind and short-sighted. You know, an example, just to kind of help us to visualize this a little bit, is up here I have uh, um, 12 gluten-filled, um, calorie-heavy, uh, carbo-loaded, uh, sugary-glazed bits of goodness. And in it, like donuts are something that smells so much better than they taste. I don't know. It's just something. But, but you have this, and over here you have this, this dozen donuts that would be delicious that, that, that the young men on the worship team are like, so like we get those after this is over, right? They'll get them. They'll be, you'll be fine, guys. But, but over here you have that. And over here you have um, what you, you, you can't see. It's just this half-eaten, yeah, crusty, stale, uh, dropped-on-the-floor, uh, gross half of a donut. And in it, when we pray... We're able to see what God has, the goodness, and, and we get to see the promises, and we get to see some, the, the bigger and more full, healthy picture of what God has. But when we don't pray, we become blind. When we don't pray, what we see becomes very limited. See, I can see little pieces of like light, and I can see little pieces of like, like there's like flashes like people, but I can't see you. And when I don't pray, I can't see what's over there. And so if I was preaching to a, a group of students, I, I would preach to a, a young woman, and I would say, listen, you, you know, you, you desire to see and know what God has for your future. You want a man that loves Jesus, that's going to raise you and cherish you and, and, and walk alongside and dream together and do all these amazing things. And yet you're not praying, so what you settle for is what's right in front of you. And Timmy here, Timmy only has one thing on his mind. Timmy doesn't care about your heart. Timmy doesn't care about your dreams. Timmy doesn't care that God has called you his daughter and anointed you and gifted you. No, Timmy only cares about what he sees on you. And so because your perspective is limited, you chase after Timmy. And you're willing to settle for Timmy. Same thing in our, in, in, in our family relationships. right? We want to see healing and whole but what we see is we don't see the woundedness behind the scenes. We don't see the things that have happened in their lives. What we see is the, the, the offense in front of us. And so that's, what we, that's all we accept. And God wants us to pray, not because he thinks that this is as good as it gets. God wants us to pray because he wants us to see. God wants us to see all that he has. And there's four things specifically that prayerlessness makes us blind to, but prayer opens our eyes to. The first thing that we can't see clearly when we don't pray is we don't see God clearly, and God wants us to see him. Paul says, uh, continuing verse three, he says, and pray for us too that God may open the door for our message so that we may be a so we proclaim the mystery of Christ which for which I'm in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. In other words, what Paul is saying here is to the Colossians, what the Holy Spirit is saying to us is that pray that the mystery of Christ would be clearly heard and seen in his life and in your life and in my life. Pray that the mystery of Christ. And what is the mystery of Christ? It's God's grace. It doesn't make sense. It's a, it's a mystery. Have we ever slowed down and, and thought about it? Why would God want to forgive my sins? 
why would God want to forgive your sins? It's a mystery. And when we think about it and we, and we reflect on it, knowing that our sinfulness doesn't, it, it impacts God in the fact that it's the opposite of what he designed us for, but it doesn't change him at all. Right? Like uh, the parent in the grocery store with the toddler throwing the fit, right, is concerned with how they're being perceived as a parent. You know, the out of control kid. It's like, well, you need to have a three year old. <laughs> but they're worried about being perceived, and God's like, no, there's, I want you to see that there's a mystery of, of that there's something behind that. There's just behind the, the mystery of grace. You know, so often we can think about the times when we've been offended. You can admit it. I've been offended. You've been offended. And so often, like, our offense is dependent on how much caffeine or sleep we've had. You ever thought about how God could be offended? You know, someone does something to you that offends you, and, and you take it, you, you, you can take it personally. And you wonder, how personal does God take it when he's sinned against See, he's holy, and he feels everything a zillion times more than you and me. And if sin bothers you, think about how it feels to God, who is perfect and holy. And yet, God seeks the sinner. He wants to redeem and rescue them and us all. And why? You know, it's not because, you know, God is unaware. He doesn't turn a blind eye to sin. He doesn't just, okay, well, that's okay today, because he has to have been a bad Tuesday. It isn't because of that, it's because of his heart. God wants to rescue sinners. The Bible says that the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, and that's of judgment, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone come to repentance. If you look up in the, the anyone and the everyone, it literally means anyone and everyone. There's nobody regardless of the, what they've done, that is excluded from God's grace. Nobody. I pause there because it, it seems so easily that we can kind of categorize different groups of people that have to be excluded. And it's just not true. God wants anyone and everyone to come to repentance. See, when judgment comes because of his holiness, it'll be the full thing. Everyone will be judged, A to Z. And so often, our response is, we see an injustice, we say, God, do something. And then God does something, but he doesn't do something about just the things that bother us. He does things that, about things that bother him. Far deeper and far more. God's not concerned with just a, an outward consequence. He's, discerned, he's concerned with the heart. And this God, this holy God that sees it all, that doesn't let anything slide, that's going to judge everything, still chooses to save you and me. The one person in the universe who's most deeply offended is the one person in the universe that made a way that we might be saved. Romans 5.8 says that God demonstrates his, love for, his own love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's the mystery. This grace that he pours out and lavishes and offers you and me. This, this mystery that God wants to be visible in you and I's life that like, what? like you're a Christian, how? And you're like, grace, just grace because God offered it and I accepted it. If you've never seen 
the grace. If you've never experienced that mystery, you will when you pray. The second thing that we can't see clearly when we don't pray is that we can't see others clearly when we're prayerless. But when we pray, we remember that they are the reason that Jesus came. Friends, the test of whether or not we're seeing God clearly is whether or not we want our enemies to be saved. Whether or not we want people that think differently than us to be saved. You know, God wants to save Republicans and Democrats, Marxists and right-wingers. God wants to save the, 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 any label and group that you can assign, God wants to save. God even wants to save Ducks fans. Side note, Pastor's uh, comments were 49ers fans, but since he's not here, we get ducks. So. <laughs> this is what the Bible says, though. For Christ's love for others, that is, compels us because we are convinced that one died for all. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. I'm going to read that again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. See, that question, that that passage right there is going to ask us this question. What is it that you see first? See, we live in a world that loves labels. That they want us to see black or white first, male or female first. That they want us to see a political affiliation, a sports team, whatever it is. They want you, that's the world we live in. That's walking around with, with post-it notes over your glasses, being blind, because what you're, all you're going to see is whatever the label is right in front of you. And God wants to see others holy. He wants to see others, nobody, he wants to see no one from a worldly point of view. He wants us to see him. If we're seeing anything other than a loved son or daughter of God, an image bearer of God, we're not seen, and we need to pray that God would open our eyes, that that's the first thing we would see. The verse continues that God is reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them. And he's committed to us this message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. So in other words, when you pray for the gospel to be heard, what you're really praying is that you want to see others differently. There's not one lost person that God doesn't see that is worth saving. And when we see other people clearly, we behave differently. It's not rocket science, right? After calling us to pray for lost people, he writes, be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders, right? He instantly goes from this thing like prayer. We think prayer closet. We think on my own. But he's like, here is a direct impact to everyday life for you and for me. And he says to be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Because this is why our conversations matter. This is why your role in your community matters. Because everywhere you step, you step as an ambassador for Christ. Every conversation, whether that conversation is online or in person, matters. I can't tell you in this last season, like how many times I've written out responses on social media and then delete, 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 delete. I want, I've hovered over send a few times. And there's times where I felt like this is the right thing to do. And God's like, really? You're willing to, 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 to paint that person into a corner? I mean, it's one of the things when you go to Bible college, like they say preaching 101, like, like you never want to use illustration only that one set of group would ever identify with because you're going to alienate the whole rest of the room. 
Right? If I only ever used an illustration that was appropriate for women, all the guys would be like, okay, whatever. And, God, and, and we're talking about the gospel. We're talking about eternal significance. And Jesus is inviting us to let our social media conversations, our personal conversations, and our representations in the community to be controlled in such a way that it reflects our belief in who God has made others to be. And we only see that when we pray. You and me talk differently and we act differently when we see other people clearly. It's in prayer that we learn to set aside our personal opinion for someone else's eternal best. The next casualty of prayerlessness, though, is that we can't see ourselves clearly without it. See, we're bl we become blind to who we really are if we don't pray. We can miss out on that passage, 2 Corinthians, that we're ambassadors. We can miss out on the fact that of all the things that the scripture says we are. Philippians 3.20 says that our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, our Lord Jesus Christ. When we understand that first and foremost, that we are citizens of a kingdom that has a vastly different value system than the world we live in physically, it changes us. God wants you and I to know that, our, that, that we are citizens. We are his sons and his daughters. We're going to wrap up here in a few, and with the worship team's going to come, and they're going to lead us into that song, Run to the Father. And it's, it's a, one of the points that has always been one of those anchor points for me in faith. Every religion in the world has a God or gods. But it's only ours that has a Father. And we get, we are adopted into, and our citizenship becomes part of the family of God and a citizen of heaven when we put our faith in Christ. He calls us to be his representative and his, his ambassadors. We read in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And the thing that's, that's key to understand is that when you are an ambassador and you represent the king, you don't speak for yourself. You only speak for the king. And God wants us to know that that's who we are. But there's two specific things that we can't see in ourselves when we're not praying. The first is that we can't see our own sinfulness. See, Isaiah saw God, and you know how he responded. He said, woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. See, foolish people living in a modern fantasy that says anything goes, think that seeing God, coming face to face with God, with an attitude of anything goes, is going to be this great thing. It's going to be a frightful thing. See, it's a terrifying thing when we draw closer and understand and, and get a picture of really how sinful we really are. I become aware that I am capable of a lot of bad things. My heart, if I'm guided only by my heart and my attitude at times, I can choose all kinds of things that aren't honoring to God and my family. And I can see this ugliness that really exists. But there's another side of this. See, without prayer, yes, we can't see our own sinfulness, but the other side is without, and it's the other side of the same coin. Without prayer, I can't also see how much I'm loved by God, that I'm precious to Him, that I can't see the magnitude and depth of His love and acceptance, even though I'm a sinner. You know who the hardest person in the world on me is? 
It's me. And when I'm not praying and I put those glasses on and I can't see, I can begin to think that this is me. I can begin to think that I'm the sum of the mess, the broken, the stale, the gross. And God's inviting us to pray so that we might see that there's an eternal reality that, we, that he doesn't want us to miss. Pastor Allison talked about me serving here as a youth and children's pastor and I've shared this illustration in settings before, so forgive me, but we did kids camps and it's always one of my favorite events of the year. And Kids camp, we do the service from 10 a.m. to noon because it's kids camp. And if we do it late at night, they'll fall asleep. Like literally they'll sleep. They'll just, they, kids don't care, they'll just sleep. It's the best part of kids ministries. They just, they just do what they feel. But in it, in the evenings, then we would have a, what we'd call response chapel. And the students would have different ways that they could respond. They could write a letter to God. They could do it. And all these different stations. And I was working what was called the reflection station. And I'll just never forget standing there holding this mirror. And this young girl, probably nine or ten years old, comes up to me. And I said, sweetie, I, I, I just want you to look right here. I want you to tell me what you see. She pushes on her cheek. And she says, I see that I'm fat. You know, I, I'm like, how do you get to be nine or 10 years old and so worried about that? But I, I just set the mirror down and, and I just knelt down. I just wanted, I wanted her to look in my eyes. I wanted her to see something different. And I said, you know, I, you know what I didn't say? I didn't say, you know what the key to this is? If we increase your fitness level and move you to a caloric deficit diet, you'll be just fine. That is not what I said. I said, I want you to see what Jesus sees. I want you to see that you're a daughter of God, that you are beautiful inside and out, that you're more than just a shape, that you're a heart that God desperately loves and sent a son to die for. And he's got a dream and a plan for your life that will blow your mind. And I wonder, sitting in this room this morning, like how many of us, if you're looking in the mirror, you, you might not push on your cheek and say, I see I'm fat, but you might say, I see my search history. I see a, a train wreck of bad decisions. I see relationships broken because I couldn't control my tongue. I, I see a, a life of, of regret and failure and mistakes. And God's asking you and inviting you this morning to pray so that you might not be focused on that, that you might see who God says you are. That, he might, that you might discover there's far more. The last thing as we turn to close this morning is that without prayer, we can't see that we're one body. Without prayer, we can't see that we're one body. See, easily we can make this even a, a faith thing just about ourselves and what we get and what it is to us. And certainly that piece is, is existent, but it's just a small one. Because in this picture of, of understanding, the Apostle Paul, if he finishes, if you just read the rest of the chapter, seven all the way down, he just starts listing names. He just starts saying, hey, listen, this person's praying for you. This, this person's doing for you. What's going on? And isn't it just... Uh, 
unbelievable how our perspective changes when we understand that there are probably, there are grandparents in our history, there are Sunday school teachers in our histories, there are youth workers, there are, are people that greeted you at the door that are all part of this we thing that's happening that shapes who we become in Christ. And you have a place. Our hope in, at MRCC is that we're, that we're never just attenders, that we always see ourselves as we. It's always we. We are the body of Christ. We are not part of a local franchise of Jesus' church. We are the church, an organic being. And it's seen, the mystery of God is seen in that as well when others see the love that we have for one another. This morning I asked the worship team to come up because we're going to spend just a few minutes. I think it's kind of appropriate that if we're going to talk about prayer, maybe we spend a couple minutes praying. Because what God wants for you and for me is to pray so that we might see what's real. That we might see a kingdom perspective and not be limited and blinded. Because our experience, I can promise you the gravel you chew on on that donut versus the fresh donut you bite into there is a very different experience. And that's what prayer does. It allows us to see and have a different experience. Would you stand with me this morning? Worship team is going to lead in this song, and and they're gonna, and they're just going to play, and and we're going to spend just a few moments, just quiet before the Lord, listening. See, if we're going to talk about prayer, we would spend some time talking about the fact that it's not just us blabbering on about you know what we need in the moment, but it's also listening that we might hear the heart of God, the heart of your Father and my Father for you and for me. So if you just bow your heads, close your eyes, just in a quiet moment, as they're just going to play, and just listen what the Holy Spirit might speak to you in this moment, that you might become aware of what God sees. push a little bit of a comfort zone if, if it's okay. I'm going to invite Pastor Dave, Pastor Brent, and, and Larry to come up forward, and, and Jess. Um, sometimes it makes a big difference when there's something that we need to pray with, and we need to come and stand with someone and, and agree in prayer for something. Maybe that relationship that you've been praying, that, that, that you want to see differently, you, you, you've let move to a prayerlessness and you're focused and you see it only for what is happening on the outside. And God wants you to shift your heart in that. But they're going to be up front and if nobody prays with them, it's okay, they'll pray with each other. Because the other thing I want to ask is this morning, and, and this is going to be, a, a, it's going to be a boldness, and, and I understand if you're not comfortable, don't feel pressure, but it, if there's something in your life right now, say, you know what? I need prayer for that. Would you raise your hand? Yeah. Yeah, hold your hand up. It's okay. Okay. If you see a hand up around you, if you see a hand up around you, would you just extend a hand towards them, put your hand on their shoulder? It takes courage to raise a hand and say, you know, I need Jesus. 
And really that's what prayer is about. Prayer is about understanding that we're coming into an intimacy with God the Father, that, we, that His heart would be communicated to us. More about shifting our perspective than His. So you see the hands that, are, that were raised. Uh, if you feel comfortable, you can come out of your seat even to, to put, your, put a hand on their shoulder and pray. But we're going to pray for one another. We're gonna take, they're going to lead. and Let's pray for our brothers and sisters in this moment. If you were someone that said, I need to pray, and you want to come forward and have someone agree with you in prayer, they're going to be here to pray while the worship team just quietly leads. And, and then we'll be back up to wrap. Let's pray. Unto fall into grace and done with a hiding reason to wait the heart needs a surgery the soul needs a friend so run to the father again and again yes i run to the father i fall into grace i'm done with the hiding the reason to wait my heart a soul found a friend So run to the Father again And again, and again, and God would invite us. He said, don't let your, don't be, don't have the blind experience. I want you to see fully. God invites you and me. But it only happens in prayer. The cost of prayerlessness is clear. Oh, but the joy of praying, what we discover, what we see in prayer fitting way to end this morning I believe is 
as pastors taught us to pray the Lord's Prayer, I think it's a great benediction for us this morning. But as we see these words on the screen, or maybe we have them memorized, and that we pray them, not just say them. That from our hearts we pray that this prayer that Jesus said, like, this is how you pray. This is, these are the things. Let's pray as one, as we. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. May we go seeing and by that praying. Have a great week.